0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين اما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به امين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we continue once again with the Fiqh al-Asma'il-Husna, the Fiqh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's most beautiful names. Um, we carry on to the next few names as mentioned by Shahabdur Abdur Razak, al-Badr, Hafizahullah ta'ala. And he mentions three names, three names which are in grouped together in, the, in this chapter, which is Al-Qadir, Al-Qadir, Al-Qadir and Al-Muqtadir. Al-Qadir the perfect inability or the all powerful Al-Qadir is actually the all powerful Al-Qadir is the all able and Al-Muqtadir is the Al-Muqtadir is the, is the perfect inability Al-Muqtadir is the one who is perfectly able or perfect in abilities Okay these names are found in many places in the Qur'an. The most common would be the name Al-Qadir. This, this name is found in many places in the Qur'an. Al-Qadir. And then Al-Qadir and then Al-Muqtadir. Right? So Al-Qadir you will find common and often in the Qur'an. And then Al-Qadir and then Al-Muqtadir is Ray. Al- Al-Qadir most commonly Wallahu Allah. Qadir, or inna ala qadir. This is found in many many ayat as we know That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is over all things competent Who is over all things competent So one example of that is in the beginning of Surah Fatir verse number 1 And as I said you can open up the Quran to many places you will find this name Qadir, ala qadir. The name Al-Qadir an example of this is found in Suratul An'am. Suratul An'am, where Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in verse 65, "Qul هُوَ Qadiru 'ala." Qul huwal Qadiru 'ala. "Ayya b'atha 'alaykum 'adhaba min fawqikum, or min أَوْ Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says, "Say, He is the one who is able." This is what his name means, Al-Qadir, the All-Able. He is able to send upon you affliction from above you or from beneath your feet or to confuse you. So you become groups or sects and make you taste the violence of one another. This is the abilities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for Al Muqtadir, the name Al Muqtadir you can find in Surah Al-Kahf. in verse number 45, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wakan Allahu kulli shayin. Muqtadirah. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مُقْتَدِرَةٍ And Allah is ever, over all things, perfect in ability. Perfect in ability. What's the common theme here with these three names? What's these three names talking about? Which attribute of Allah? Huh? The abilities of Allah. Ahsand. Right? These names, they confirm the attribute of Qudrah. You heard this term before, the Qudra of Allah. We speak about Allah's Qadah and his Qadr, right? And then if you often hear people speaking about the, the Qudra of Allah. The Qudra of Allah means the abilities of Allah, which is connected to his power. But we are speaking about his, his abilities. And this is what Al-Qadir is, one who is competent over everything, able to do everything, he's perfect in his abilities, and he's all-powerful Al-Qadir. So all of these names they are speaking and they confirm for us that the sifa of Allah which is Al Qudrah, that abilities of Allah. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He is Kamilul Qudrah, He has perfect abilities. There's nothing that, that can overcome the abilities of Allah. Rather, the abilities of, of Allah it overcomes everything. And nothing can uh you know fail Allah's capabilities. Who caused him to fail. So by his Qudra, everything came into existence. Everything came into existence by the Qudra of Allah. He manages the affairs of creation, heavens and the earth, by the Qudra of Allah. By the power and by the ability of Allah. He gives life and death. He resurrects his slaves for the day of recompense. Or for their recompense. And this all happens by the, the perfect Qudra of Allah. And these are not small things that we are mentioning. These are the biggest of tasks to mankind, to our mind. This is the biggest of tasks. These are things that's impossible for us to do because our abilities are, are limited. We are weak in our, in our capabilities. We are weak in our strength. Here we see Kamilul Qudra, the one whose Qudra is perfect. The one whose Qudra, his power and ability is perfect and it's complete. So these are his tasks. These are the actions of Allah, created, brought us into existence from nothing. Manages the affairs of the worlds, of the heavens, the seven heavens, the seven earths. Allah is taking care of it, protecting it, preserving it. Yet, Ayatul Kursi tells us that for Allah to preserve all of this, it does not tire Him out, it doesn't make Him any weak. Or any weaker, or, or any yani weakness does not even touch him. Rather, understand. So these are the tasks of Allah that can only be uh, that can only be fulfilled by who? The one who has that perfect abilities. He says, "Kun, fayakun. be and it is." These are some of the examples where we can see the greatness of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's qudrah. and by His qudrah He guides some of His slaves and He misguides others. He makes some of us pious and righteous and some of us sinners and misguided individuals, major sinners, Allah All of this is from the Qudra the of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. All of this is from the qudrah the of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. وَلَا يُعْجِزُهُ أَحَدٍ مِنْ No, nothing of his creation, nothing in the heavens and nothing in the earth can overcome Allah's qudrah or can cause Allah's qudrah to fail or can incapacitate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's qudrah. Rather, this world is in the grasp of Allah. It's in Allah's hand. Right? And for him to preserve it, as we said, no fatigue touches him. No tiredness, no weakness, no nothing. Because of his perfect qudrah. Because of his perfect qudrah. From the usul of our iman, from the fundamentals of our belief, is our belief in al Qadr. Our belief in Al Qadr, which is what we know in what we know in English as the, the divine decree of Allah. The divine decree of Allah. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Kulla Shay in Khalakonahubi Indeed, all things we created with predestination. Whatever Allah created, it was already predetermined. Thousands of years ago, fifty thousand years before Allah created the heavens and the earth, Allah instructed the pen to write in the lawah al al-Maḥfūz, the Book of Decree. You understand? So everything was created by the decree of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Wa kāna amrul Lāhi And ever is the command of Allah a destiny decreed. Everything has to, was, was initially part of the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's our belief, one of the pillars of Islam. Should I say the pillars of Iman rather? The pillars of our belief. The sixth pillar is, Iman has six pillars, right? To believe in Allah, the angels, and the messengers, and the books. And to believe in the last day. And then to believe in Al-Qadr. Khayrihi wa sharrihi. believe in the good and the bad divine decree of Allah. This is part of our iman. And we find that Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahimahullah, he says Al-Qadru Qudratullah Qadr, when we speak about decree and divine decree, it is the Qudra of Allah. It relates to the, the Qudra of Allah. So when we speak about the Qudra of Allah, it is directly related to the Allah's decree. This is his decree. This is his abilities. He has put everything in motion. He has created everything. And this is part of his decree, part of his predestination. So we find in a hadith, we find in a hadith, in a tirmidhi, where now, of course, we're not going to go into the, the, you know, the details of the belief in decree. That's an Aqira lesson, right? We'll keep that for the akira durus, inshaAllah. But we are touching on the point here, that the importance of the belief in decree is, is important, right? And to reject decree is rejecting the sifat of Allah. To reject Allah's decree and not to believe in decree. There's a group, there's a sect called... The Jabariya, right? There's a sect called the Jabariya. They they don't believe in decree. Afwan, they actually don't believe in free will. There's a, there's a sect called the Qadariya. They don't believe in decree. They don't believe in decree. There's a Jabariya and the Qadariya. The one says everything happens just by the way, you know, everything falls into place by itself. The other group says, that everything happens under decree and we have no free will. The other group says, we have complete free will, so whatever happens, happens because of us. You see the difference in the two the two extremes. The Jabariyyah says, everything happens because we are forced and compelled by the decree of Allah. So we have no free will. So when we commit sin, because of the decree of Allah, it's not because of us. We are not to be blamed. This is, the, this is the Jabariyyah. The, Qad, the Qadariya. they say that there's no agreement. There's no Everything happens because of us. We have complete free will. Those are the two complete and, and uh, the two extreme groups that uh, are found out there. Whether they still exist today, probably very few, but they were known amongst to the, to the scholars. Even in the time of the Sahaba, the Qadariya came about. And there's a narration where some people came and they visited some of the Sahaba. And they said in our city there's these people, they don't believe in in decree. They say that well we have complete free will. And Abdullah ibn Umar, the son of Umar ibn Khattab, he said, say to them that Abdullah ibn Umar has nothing to do with them and they have nothing to do with me. That we are in a different religion almost. They have no we have no connection at all. You understand? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So to reject decree is a major issue and it can take a person out of the fold of Islam. It takes a person out of the fold of Islam because you are rejecting and denying the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's one of the pillars of Iman. It's one of the the pillars of Iman. What are the benefits of knowing these names? Knowing the name Al-Qadir, Al-Qadir and Al-Muqtadir. Knowing that Allah has perfect abilities. Knowing that nothing can overcome Allah. Knowing about the Decree of Allah, that everything happens by the will of Allah, the Decree of Allah. Knowing that Allah is able to do anything. He is competent over everything, meaning he can do whatever he wants. Nothing can prevent him and nothing is impossible for him. You understand? So when we go through these names again, what do we try and do? We try and not just understand the name. Let's see what benefits do we get from knowing these names. What, what, what does it help? What does it benefit us to understand what these names mean? What are the effects that these names should be having upon us? The first example is, Shah Abdul Razak, he says, that one of the, the blessed effects and fruits of knowing this, these names of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la and this attributes of Allah, that perfect perfect ability and capabilities, is... That it strengthens the slave in his seeking of assistance from Allah. It strengthens him when he wants to seek assistance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when for him to put his trust in Allah, this gives him strength. And for him to completely turn to Allah and leave his affairs to Allah. When he understands these names and when he understands these attributes, this makes it easy for him. It gives him the strength to fulfill this. Tawakkul. It's a great act of worship. But to put your trust in Allah is not an easy thing. It doesn't just come overnight. It's it's part of your iman. You know that you build your iman. You get to know Allah. So only the person who knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He knows who Allah is. He knows Allah's names. He knows Allah's attributes. He knows the actions of Allah. It's this type of person who has no doubt in his iman. Who has no shak no doubt in Allah so for him to put his trust completely in Allah it's easy but the person he doesn't pray much he doesn't know Allah at all he loves the life of sin to tell a person like that brother put your trust in Allah the reality is for him to put his trust in Allah and you know walk away from let's let's take a job for example walk away from a job where the income is haram to tell him, put your trust in Allah and walk away. It's not an easy thing. Because his connection with Allah is weak. His understanding and his knowledge of Allah is weak. So for him to put his trust in Allah is, 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 a, is a big thing, is a difficult thing. But a strong believer who knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who's connected to Allah, for him to walk away, just, خلاص I put my trust in Allah. It won't be such a big thing. It will be a test for him. We believe it will be a test. But Allah will suffice him and he believes this. وَمَيْ so puts his trust in Allah, Allah will be sufficient for him. Allah will suffice him. And he will live with this. He will he will stay positive through these type of reminders. So we look at the hadith of the famous hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, where he was on the same ride as the Prophet wasallam. Was a younger cousin of the Prophet Adam, and the Prophet advised him and said to him, "Shall I teach you some words that will benefit you?" And he said, "Of course." And the Prophet said to him, "Ya Hulam, Inni u'ali muka kalimat." Oh youngster, young boy, let me teach you some words. Irfadillah, Irfadk. Protect Allah, guard Allah, and Allah will guard you. Meaning, guard the prohibitions of Allah. God the commandments of Allah, the deen of Allah, the instructions of Allah, Allah will guard you, Allah will take care of you. Ihfadillah tajhidu Guard Allah and you will find him in front of you. What does this mean? We cannot protect Allah, Allah doesn't need protection. But we protect the deen of Allah, the commandments of Allah, the instructions of Allah as we said. And you will find Allah in front of you, meaning? The assistance of Allah will be there. The help of Allah will be near. Your victory will be near and close by. And he said to him, if you ask, you ask Allah. Alone. If you seek help and assistance, you seek your help and assistance from? From Allah. This is part of the advice. And then he said, that the ummah. He says, you should know that if the whole ummah came together to benefit you with something, they would not be able to benefit you with anything except that which Allah has decreed for you, that which Allah has written for you. Nobody can benefit you even if the whole world came together except if it's part of the the will of Allah. And he said the opposite as well. That if they all came together to harm you with something, they would not be able to harm you with anything except that which Allah decreed or wrote for you. The same. The whole world can come together to harm you, to destroy you, to break you down. There is no harm except by the will of Allah. There is no benefit or goodness except by the will of Allah. You understand? This brings about when we understand this concept. This brings about tawakur. This brings about what we are speaking, where you can turn to Allah and leave your face to Allah. And then the hadith ends off by saying, Rufiatil aklam wa jafatis suhuf. The pens have been lifted and the pages have been have been dried. Referring to the book of decree. The pen has been lifted and the books have the ink is dried up. It's set now, whatever's whatever's going to happen, is to happen. And nobody can harm you or benefit you, except by that which Allah has already decreed for you. What, what does this teach us? What's the, 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 the theme of this hadith? The theme of this hadith is, put your trust in Allah. Fear Allah alone. Strive to please Allah and you will find him in front of you. His help will be there, his assistance, his victory will be there. Nothing can harm you. Nothing can benefit you. So you live a life for, this, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what it means. So he puts his trust in Allah, Allah will suffice him. And part of this is knowing that Allah is Al-Qadir. Al-Qadir and Al-Muqtadir. All able. He's perfect in his abilities. And he is the all powerful. There is nothing that he cannot do. So whatever you need you turn to Allah you raise your hands to Allah and you ask him and you seek it from him because he is ala kulli shay'in qadir He repeats this ayah throughout the Quran over and over and over Allah is ala kulli in qadir He is able to do every single thing he is competent over every single thing He has power over every single thing and this is the point the sheikh is making when you understand this, you put your trust in Him. It becomes easy to put your trust in Him. It becomes easy to seek your help from Him. It becomes easy to leave your affairs to Allah. Understand? So that's the, one of the benefits of knowing these names. One of the effects that we should find within us when we know the name Al-Qadir, Al-Qadir, or Al-Muqtadir. There are three names in this chapter. They all deal with the similar theme as we said, speaking about the power and the ability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also from the effects of this name on a person is that it completes one sabr and it brings about pleasure towards allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it brings about sabr knowing whatever happens who is in control allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control whatever happens if it's a good thing we say alhamdulillah we are happy and if it's a bad thing what do we say with something that 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 doesn't necessarily please us initially what do we say what's the sunnah to say something happens and it's not pleasing to you what do we say it's a reminder for the person to what what does it mean this is the decree of Allah Allah has decreed that this should happen and Allah does whatever he wants This is the reminder for the believer. When something happens, this is what we say. To remind ourselves and those around us. This is the decree of Allah. So we have sabr. We put our trust in him. We have sabr. And we know that uh, Allah only wants goodness for us. So as much as this may seem as something bad, the end result is good. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works. This is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, it brings about sabr. Knowing who Allah is, it brings about it brings about sabr. And it also brings about rida. Rida means pleasure. That we are pleased with Allah. Whatever happens, we are pleased. And when it comes to sabr and the decree of Allah, then there are two levels. The first level is being, is that we accept it. We accept it's the decree of Allah. That's level number one. So something happens and we accept khalas. You know what, it's Allah's decree and we carry on. That's the, we should at least be at that level. Right? As the hadith says, the one who slaps his face and the one who tears his clothing is not from us. Meaning if something happens and you lose your temper and you, you, know, you break things and you throw things and you snap, that's not so the etiquette of a believer. That's not from the ahlaq and the adab of the believer. At least you should be calm, it's the decree of Allah. Like it or not. The higher level is huh? pleasure. Rilla. That something happens and you were not, it's not what you wanted. So it doesn't seem like a good thing for you. But because it's the decree of Allah, you are happy that, that this has happened. And this is the highest level that a person can reach that only a true believer can reach such a level so a person gets sick extremely sick and what happens most people they end up in depression they cannot get better and they seek a cure and they do all sometimes funny things you know and sometimes they go into haram to find a cure as opposed to sticking to that which is halal putting your trust in allah and just being happy and just being happy you understand Having this level, this is the highest level that you can reach. To be pleased with the Qadr of Allah no matter what it is. No matter what it is. You lose your job, you are suffering. Alhamdulillah, I'm happy. That's the decree of Allah. Right? And obviously, you haven't done anything. If you've done something to lose the job or done something bad, or done something, that's something different. Now you need to fix yourself up and so and, 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 you know. But something happened, Allah decided, job's gone in that case we carry on we are pleased with the decree of Allah and this is why there is, is a du'a that we should make which is Allahumma inni as'aluka rida wa'adha al qada. Oh Allah I ask you for rida which is pleasure after your qada, after your decision after your decree basically if you don't know the Arabic say it in English Oh Allah I ask you for your pleasure after your decree has come um, we can stop here, yeah, no problem. And then we will continue after Maghrib. Finish off this name and take the next name, inshallah. Okay. Really? He was inside. When he came out, it was gone. <coughs> we continue we will lift off on the name Al Qadir, Al Muqtadir, and Al Qadir, speaking about the perfect abilities and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We stopped off speaking about the, 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 the effect that it brings of sabr and of seeking the pleasure of Allah's decree. Now, the third point that Sheikh Abdul Razak mentions is that this name and the understanding of this name, it protects the heart of the slave from the various diseases like that of envy and hasad and jealousy and hatred. Why? Because when somebody is blessed with with whatever the blessing may be, we understand this is the decree of Allah. We understand this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose for him. This is the, the, the qadr of Allah. And so we don't become hasad. We understand that's what Allah chose for him and not for me. And each person is blessed in certain ways and we are deprived in other ways. Nobody is perfect except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so some of the salaf, they would say about the person who is known for hasad, a jealous person, that he is an enemy of the favors of Allah upon his slaves. When you are hasad, what are you actually, who are you angry at? When you get angry with somebody is blessed, whether it's some something dunyawi, like a car, or a house, or clothing, or a watch, or a phone, or whether you're hasad because of that person's looks, or that person's wealth, or that person's knowledge, or his voice, or the way he recites, or whatever it may be. Who are you being hasad towards? Who are you being angry at? The reality is you are angry at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah favoured that person with that and not me with that. And this is what the Salaf would say. That you are actually an enemy of the favours of Allah upon that slave. It's Allah who did it. So this is the problem with hasad. It shows that you have a problem with the decree of Allah. And therefore with the the actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next point he mentions is it strengthens the person's determination. And his desire to to continue doing good. And it brings a hadith in Sahih Muslim with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said, عَلَى مَا يَنْفَعُكْ وَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ ولا تعجز. Prophet said, continue upon that which is going to benefit you. Stay firm upon that which is going to benefit you. and This is a powerful advice. Be firm upon it, continuously stick to that which is going to benefit you. And then seek the assistance of Allah. Because Nothing can benefit us except by the permission of Allah. And we will not be able to do anything beneficial except by the permission of Allah. So continuously do good and seek the assistance of Allah. And don't become complacent. Don't stop. Don't be someone who's idle, who does nothing, who sits around, who waits for goodness to come to him. And then the Prophet said, وَإِنْ أَصَابَكَ شَيْءٌ فَلَا تَقُلْ if something happens to you, we just heard of a musiba now. <laughs> something happened to the brother, his car got stolen. Allahummausta'an. The Prophet says, if something happens, if something befalls you, don't say, Law anni kada, kada wa kada. If only I did this, then this would have happened and that would have happened. And if only I did not do this, then that would have happened or this wouldn't have happened and so forth. Because, but rather you should say, قَدَرُ wa وَمَا شاء Rather, you should say, this is what Allah has decreed, and He does whatever He wills. This is the answer, the response of the believer when a calamity befalls Him. قَدَرُ wa وَمَا شَاء fa'al. And then He said, فَإِنَّ لَوْ تَفْتَحْ عَمَلُ الشَّيْطَانِ That word, low in Arabic, which means, if only, if, 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 had I done this, if only I did that, that, law it opens up the door and the work of shaitan, Because now we, we, we forget this is the decree of Allah. And now we start to think but we think it's our, you know, it's our doing. And it's, it's as if we are in control. And this is where shaitan comes in and he wants to overcome you and, and corrupt your belief and corrupt your mindset and his waswasa and so forth. So, we stay away from those type of sayings. When it happens, This doesn't mean you can't learn a lesson. This doesn't mean that you don't learn lessons. If you did something and something bad happened you can learn and you can take an experience out of it. So for example if I'm going to park my car in a certain not we are obviously now speaking in a general sense. If I'm going to park my car in a certain spot that may be a spot which is more dangerous than another spot. Whatever happened is a decree of Allah but I can learn a lesson from this and I can do something different. That's, that's, that's something different, you understand? But at the end of the day, we accept the decree of Allah and we don't start to say if and hada and this and... It happened the way Allah wanted it to happen. The way Allah decided it should happen. So we say, Allah, asha'a fa'al. And Sheikh Fuzan, he said, when you say this, when a person gets to that point where something happens and he says, qadarullahumma asha'a fa'al, this will sort out your affairs. You will find that the help of Allah will come. You will find that Allah will take care of your affairs. Because you are now that believer who has acknowledged the decree of Allah. Who is putting his trust in Allah. And he says this will, this will sort out your problems. By you uttering this, by following the sunnah, it will sort out your, your issues. So, by understanding this point, we stick to that which is going to benefit us. We work hard. We seek the help of Allah. And we don't become idle. And so by understanding that Allah is in control, we live under the decree of Allah, we continuously do the best that we can. Whatever good comes to us, walhamdulillah, whatever befalls us, qadarullah wa ma Understanding this, there's a great benefit within that. The last point the sheikh makes is that it gives one hope in Allah, and it, and it brings about consistency in dua. To understand these names of Allah, it, it, it increases us in our raja, Raja means you, you put your hope in Allah's mercy, Allah's forgiveness and you consistently make dua in uh, to him because all of the affairs are in the hands of Allah. So we have good thoughts of Allah. We have we, we have good hopes in the mercy of Allah because we understand everything is in the hand of Allah. And therefore we make dua because as we said Allah is in control. Nothing can harm you. Nothing can benefit you except by the will of Allah. So we have good thoughts of Allah, positive thoughts of Allah, and we make dua consistently. These are some of the benefits, literally a handful of benefits that we can get from these names. Al-Qadir, Al-Qadir and Al-Muqtadir, where we learn about the perfect abilities of Allah and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are there any questions on this name? Tayib, we move on to the next name. Which is a name which is not as common as Al-Qadir But it's a beautiful name of Allah And a powerful name of Allah nonetheless It is Allah's name Al-Wadud 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 means the affectionate The affectionate One who shows love and affection This name is found in two places in the Quran Firstly in Surah Hud Where Allah says <laughs> إِنَّ رَبِّي رَحِيمٌ and ask forgiveness of your Lord and then repent to him Indeed my Lord is merciful and affectionate Wadud. And in another ayah in Surah Buruj more commonly recited many of us know these ayat إِنَّهُ هُوَ يُبَدِئُ وَيُعِيدٌ وَهُوَ الْغَفُورُ الْوَدُودٌ Often you hear this in the salah وَهُوَ الْغَفُورُ الْوَدُودٌ Indeed it is he who originates and he, creation, and he repeats. And he is Ghafur, the forgiving, and he is Al-Wadud, the affectionate. That is in Surah Buruj, Ayah number 14. The meaning of this name is, the one who loves his Anbiya, the one who shows love to his, his prophets and his messengers, and to all of those who follow them. To every believer who follows them, they are the most beloved to Allah. The Anbiya and the Messengers. And then those who follow them closest and the best. Allah is the one who shows them special affection and special love. And also they love him in return. They love him in return. And he's more beloved to them than anything else. Their hearts are filled with his love. This is what Sheikh Abdul Razak has said. So Sheikh Abdul Rahman Ibn Al-Si'idi Rahimahullah Who was one of the teachers of Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah, Rahimahullah He said About this name Al-Wadud That it is, he is the one who Shows his affection to his creation Through all of his beautiful characteristics Through all of his favours His all-encompassing favours And through all of his Subtle ways that he benefits them And takes care of their needs He loves and through all of his ni'mas, whether it's hidden or apparent, he shows his love and he shows his affection to his slaves. Wadudu al He says he is Al Wadud, which means Al Wad, the one who shows affection, the one who shows love. But it's not restricted to this. It also means the one that is Bima'ana Al Maudud, the one who is beloved to others. So it's not just the one who shows affection and who shows love. He is also the one who is beloved. The one who, who, who is most beloved to his slaves. You understand? So he loves his awliya, his righteous slaves, and his asfiya, his pure slaves that, that worship him alone. And they love him in return. This is the meaning of al wadud Right? This is the meaning of Al-Wadud. So, Shah Abdul Razak, he says that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Lahu To him belongs complete perfection. Absolute complete perfection. Every description of his is a description of perfection, right? And every description brings about some type of worship, some type of Ibadah, every time you learn something about Allah, about a name or an attribute, it should bring it should have an effect on you. Like we spoke about Al-Qadir, we spoke about connected to that, we spoke about Dua, we spoke about putting your hopes in Allah, we spoke about being determined and continuously doing good. And we spoke excessively about Sabr and about Tawakkul, those names brings about worship. So every name and every attribute, it has to bring about worship, some type of ibadah, some type of uh, servitude that is brought about into the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when this happens, when those names and those attributes brings about that servitude and that worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah then shows his affection to them in return through all of his favours and his bounties like when he created them like when he brought them into existence and he gives them life and he fixes and rectifies their affairs like when he takes care of our needs and our hardships he removes them by guiding us to Islam and to Iman by, by bringing about Ihsan in our lives the highest level we can reach is the level of Ihsan we strive for perfection by easing our fears. And the list is endless. Of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us his affection. And the closer you come, the more you will experience this affection, this love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. By him guiding you to the straight path. By him keeping you firm upon the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu And he makes it easy for you to stay upon the sunnah. We find people that can be on the sunnah and tomorrow they, they disappear, they slip. You find people that... They, they, they cannot live according to the sunnah. They need something extra. They need innovation. They need some type of, you know, other means. It's not sufficient for them. This is a bounty of Allah subhanahu taala. It's the ultimate favor of Allah if he can keep you firm upon guidance. And this is a sign of his love and his affection for his slave. And so the Sheikh, he mentions some of the examples. The examples are endless. The one example he mentions is, which is related to the ayah al-Gafurul Wadud, and that is he speaks about the slave who boldly enters into haram what does this mean? boldly he uses the word يَتَجَرَّأَ al Muharramat. he is daring or he is bold by entering into sin This is not a person who's ignorant and he commits a sin by mistake. It's a person who knows exactly what he's doing. And he shows Allah that he's going to do the sin, irrespective. You understand? Regardless of the warnings of Allah, regardless of his knowledge, boldly he walks into Muharramat, the forbidden matters. And he shows his shortcomings in his wajibat, which he's supposed to fulfill. Obligatory matters. He shows a shortcoming. No shyness. You understand? Totally he does it. But yet, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do with him? Firstly, Allah conceals his, his sins. Sometimes this could be done in secret. It's a sin that's done in secret. Who conceals that sin? It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah shows him that forbearing side of his. That we spoke about from the name. Which was Allah's name. Uh, forbearing one. His Hilm, which is al Halim, al Halim. we spoke about this name, right? And at the same time, he bestows his favours upon him. That slave of his, which is living in that sin, is experiencing the favour of Allah Taala. Allah says, or the Sheikh says, Allah doesn't cut him off from anything. He's living in his favour, covered up the sin, everything. And then what happens? Allah determines some type of dhikr, or some type of nasiha, some type of reminder that will reach him and all of a sudden he changes and he takes hold of the reminder and he follows the guidance and he repents to Allah and Allah accepts his repentance and in return what does Allah do, Allah forgives his sins and Allah then shows him that special love and affection. And this is where the ayah, you look at the ayah, it says, Allah connected those names. There's a connection, if, there's a, if those names are connected, then there must be a reason it's connected. It's not just connected random names put together. There's a connection in that connection, there's a reason behind it. And this, the Sheikh says, could be why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala connected these names. He attached those two names together. Because that love and affection is always linked to his forgiveness. At the head of his affection for you and his love for you, is that he's always forgiving you. He's always concealing your sin. He's always overlooking your sins. This is where those two names are always going to be linked. al Ghafurul Wadud. So these are often recited ayat. Next time we read them, we hear them, we should feel the beauty in this ayat. And the power in this ayat. Allah is ghafoorul Wadud. He is all forgiving, oft forgiving, at the same time He is full of love and affection. And it's from that affection that He forgives us. It's out of that love that He, that he forgives our sins. Subhanallah. Another example of His affection the Sheikh mentions is is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more merciful to us than our own parents, and our own mother, our own father. And He is more merciful to us than any other creation right another example of this affection is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes so pleased with us when we, come, when we make tawbah to such an extent that the hadith speaks about what's the example that the hadith gives about the person who is lost and stranded in the desert and he has with him his camel and all of his provisions and he loses his camel His camel wanders away and this person starts to search frantically for his camel with all of his possessions. He's stuck in the middle of the desert with nothing. Until it comes to a point where he gives up hope and he goes to lay down waiting for death. Waiting for death. And what happens? The camel starts to walk, he sees the camel walking back to him. Can you imagine the joy of that person? The pleasure of that person, you lose something and you find it, it's a special type of joy that you, that relief, that happiness that you experience. The hadith says Allah is more pleased and more happy with the slave, with that than the, than the happiness of that desperate person when the slave makes tawbah. When we make tawbah, Allah is, experiences such pleasure over this tawbah, more than that desperate person who was ready to was waiting for death and his camel came with all of his provisions. that more than that joy that he experiences and this is the affection of allah this is wadood this is the love of allah and again that tawbah doesn't benefit allah that tawbah only benefits the taib the one who's making tawbah it doesn't benefit allah it doesn't increase him in anything but yet out of his love, this is how happy he becomes. This is how joyous he becomes and how much pleasure he experiences. And this is a sign of Allah's tawaddud. Or a sign of, all, of his, his love and affection for the slave. Another example the Sheikh mentions is that Allah ta'ala is with those who loves him. He is with those who will love him. And he grants them success in every circumstance. And at the same time, he responds to their prayers. Why does he say this? This comes in a hadith. What does the hadith say? Hadith Qudsi. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, That my slave continuously comes closer to me by the nawafil. By doing voluntary deeds. What we call a sunnah. Anything that is considered as a sunnah, the more you do of it, the closer you come to Allah. So he says, My slave continuously comes closer to me through these voluntary deeds. These nawafil. Hatta uhibbah. Until I love him. So we get closer and closer and closer through the voluntary deeds. Of course, this is after we fulfill the, the fard. Because we start with the fard. And the fard is greater than the, the, the voluntary deeds. But the more voluntary deeds we incorporate and we fulfill, the closer to Allah we get. Until Allah says, until I love him. And when I love him, Kuntu bi. I become his hearing by which he hears. And I become his sight by which he sees. And I become his hand by which he strikes. And this is what we what we meant when we said, In every circumstance, you will be under the protection and the assistance of Allah. And his feet by which he walks. in sa'alani la if he was to ask me of anything, I would give him. Wa And if he sought protection in me, I would protect him. And this is the ultimate success. And this is for who? For those who Allah loves. Those who reach that point that they've earned the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will be protected and assisted in every circumstance. In every condition of their life. And the moment they raise their hands and they say, Ya Rab, Allah responds. Allah gives what they are asking. They're seeking help, He helps. They're seeking protection, He sends the protection. And this is the, this is the level that we should be striving to get to. This is the ultimate success. Nothing in this world can get you to the success. No degree gets you to that point. No amount of money or houses or cars gets you to that point where you raise your hands and say, Ya Allah, I have 10 cars. I'm a successful businessman. This doesn't count. This doesn't count. Allah doesn't look at your wealth. He doesn't look at your bodies. He doesn't look at... He looks at your your hearts. He looks at your hearts. And so this is where we need to be aiming. Right? (coughs) And in the Sheikh, he says that the effects of Allah's love for his awliya cannot be fathomed. We try to touch on certain examples where we see the affection of Allah and the love of Allah. But the extent of it, we cannot really even count. Or even the examples are endless basically. And even then we would not be doing justice to the amount of affection and love that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows his slaves. But as for their love for him, then that is our essence. That is our life. That's your peace, your sakina, your your tranquility. It's your happiness when you have the true love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your heart. That is where you find your joy in this world. Your pleasure in this world is when you have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your heart. Your heart is filled with the love of Allah. After that, you need nothing else. And it's through this love that we worship Him. It's through this love that we praise Him. We make tasbih, we make shukr to Allah. And it's through this that we fulfill our obligations. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimallah, he said that he used the parable of the bird, that the two wings are hope and fear. But what's the head of the bird? The head is love. The reason we make salah, the reason we worship Allah, is actually out of love, then out of fear, and then out of hope. The ultimate reason we are Muslims and we live a life of Muslimin, is out of, out of our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hope and fear that comes afterwards. It's of utmost importance, but it comes after our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the Shaykh says that every other thing that we love, whether it's related to our deen or our dunya, we will then make that thing follow our love for Allah. It has to be in accordance with our love for Allah. Right? Examples. Every other life that we love that we have, we make sure that it is in accordance with the love of Allah. Let's take a deen issue, for example. We said we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most. Right? After that, our religion should be built upon the love of Allah. So whatever Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala loves, we should love. So for example, any place, any time Allah loves, is beloved to me. Makkah is beloved to Allah. Medina, is a place, beloved to Allah. It should be beloved to the believer. Any time, Ramadan, the 10 nights of Ramadan, the 10 days of Hajj, those times are beloved to Allah, it should be beloved to the believer. It's not like any other time. Purely because it's beloved to Allah. Any creature that Allah loves should be beloved to the slave, the anbiya, the messengers, the angels Jibreel should be beloved to the believer because we know that Allah loves them. And any other deed that is beloved to Allah should be beloved to the believer. Purely because Allah loves that deed. So if we find that Allah loves sadaqah, we should instill the love of sadaqah within us. If we find and we discover Allah loves fasting, we should become people who fast. If we learn Allah loves sabr, we should be of those who have sabr. Purely because Allah loves this action. And if Allah loves it, we love it. In, for example, Allah says in the Quran, Allah loves those who make tawbah the slave should then constantly be making tawbah because he wants to be of those whom Allah loves. And he wants to do that which Allah loves. And he loves those who purify themselves. So he becomes somebody who purifies himself physically and spiritually and so forth. So any dunya we have issue that we know is beloved to Allah, that thing becomes beloved to us. That thing becomes beloved to us. Even issues which are usually you know normal issues that's part of your normal daily life even those type of issues the sheikh says we can your food that you eat your clothing that you wear that which you drink these are necessities but even that out of your love for Allah it can be guided to suit the love of Allah. So what do we eat? We eat that which Allah loves. We eat that which is halal, that which is wholesome and pure. We eat in the manner which Allah loves. We don't overeat. The sunnah is to eat a third of your full only. When you eat in this way, it's not just eating anymore, it becomes an act of worship. It becomes good for you. The same with what you drink, the same with what you wear, there are certain things which are permissible to wear. There are certain things which are haram to wear. And then there are things which are highly recommended to wear. So, even in these things, it should be restricted to that which Allah ta'ala loves. This is true love for Allah. This is true love for Allah in our Deen affairs and in our dunyawi affairs. It can be manipulated to such an extent that we do only that which Allah loves. Even in those matters which are you know, customary, it's just by the way, it's part of a'adat. You know, it's issues which happen by the by the way. You eat, you drink, you dressed you this, you that. You take a nap the way you sleep. The Sahabi Mu'adi bin Jabal, he said, I seek reward for my sleep, just like I seek reward for my Qiyamul. What does he mean by this? He means that when I sleep, I'm not sleeping because out of, Like everybody else sleeps. I'm sleeping to build up my energy so that I can wake up at the last third of the night and pray Qiyamul Layl. So that sleep now becomes worship. Just like the Qiyamul Layl is worship. Because had it not been for the sleep, the Qiyamul Layl would not exist. Or the quality of the Qiyamul Layl would not be there. So all of these matters become matters of worship and not just matters which are matters which are necessities or by the way And the same with what you eat and drink. This is why many of the classical scholars, they were, people used to drink a lot of coffee. Because that coffee kept them up. And gave them energy and strength to read, and to read, and to memorize, and so forth. So to drink with that intention, it's not just because it's a nice cup of coffee or out of enjoyment. It's to give me energy for worship. That now becomes an act of worship. So like this, Allah has made it such that we can manipulate things through our niyyah. Out of the love of Allah, where that normal things becomes not just permissible any longer, it becomes an act of worship, where you get rewarded for it. At the end of the chapter, the Sheikh speaks again about once we understand this name, meaning the wadud, and how Allah loves his awliya and he loves, like we said, those who make tawbah, and those who, the believers and the muttaqin, and those who fast and those who do all of these various deeds. What's becoming for us then is, to strive to become from amongst those people. So that we, we truly can earn the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we know that Allah hates certain deeds of sin, of shirk, of bid'ah, of hypocrisy, of ghibah, of namima, of lying and slandering, we abstain from this, out of the love of Allah. And we will earn the love of Allah through this. So that's the first step through actions, you will attain the love of Allah. The second is by following the sunnah, by following the sunnah. In Surah Ali Imran, Allah said, Qul, in Allah, fattabi'uni Allah. Say to them, if you love Allah, then you should follow me and Allah will love you in return. And he will forgive your sins because he is Ghafoorul Rahim, The forgiving and the merciful. So just by following the sunnah, any action that's from the sunnah, the more of it you fulfill, this is a sign that you love Allah and this is a sign that Allah will love you in return. Just to follow the sunnah. And Hassan al-Basri, when this ayah was revealed, he said that there were people who used to claim that they love Allah. Like every believer, we surely have to claim that we love Allah. There is no love of Allah, you cannot be a believer. And so Allah, he says, Allah revealed this ayah to test them. To see if they were true in their claims. Do you really love Allah? What's the test? Do you follow the sunnah or not? Do you imitate the Prophet ﷺ or not? Are you living the lifestyle the way that the Prophet would have lived or not? And this is the question we should ask ourselves in everything that we do. Is this how the Prophet would have done it? Yes. Then this is a sign that you love Allah. No. There's a problem. You understand? And this is the problem with bid'ah as well. When you go beyond the bounds of the Sunnah. You do that which the Prophet did not do. And you claim this is love. But loving him is to follow him. As the, the ayah is basically telling us. And lastly we make Dua. Dua is the weapon of the believer. Dua is the weapon of the believer. We can ask Allah for His love, and we ask Allah to instill His love within us. This is what we should be asking. In fact, it comes in a hadith where the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, he said that it was from the duas of Dawood alayhi Dawood that he would say, "Allahumma inni as'aluka hubbak." Oh Allah, I ask You for Your love. Wa hubba man yuhibbuk and the love of those who you love. Or oh, the love of those who love you, should I say. The love of those who love you. Like the rest of the believers. amal yuballighuni hubbak. And I ask you for the action that will cause me to attain your love. As we said, it comes through our deeds. The more you do, the more Allah will love you of goodness. And he said, Allahumma ja'al hubbak ahabba ilayya min nafsi wa ahli wa minal ma'il barid. Oh Allah, make your love more beloved to me than myself, my family and cold water. Cold water. <laughs> cold water is a ni'mah. Take the people who live in the desert especially. To them, what's a glass of cold water? Think about it. People live in the desert, scorching hot, dry, water is scarce, and if they find water, can you imagine what's the condition of the water? Let's say they come across an oasis, they celebrate. How must that water not be feeling? That they are drinking. It must be scorching hot water. So glass of cold water to them must suddenly read for us, it's something nothing is, by the way, we have cold water in the fridge, go to the shop, anyway it's cold water. But to them, that was something valuable, something rare. You understand? And so this is what the dua he made. basically, make your love more beloved to me than anything else. Than myself, my family, and anything. No matter how valuable it may be. No matter how scarce it may be. Make your love more beloved to me. You understand? And at the end of that hadith, the Prophet said that Dawood was from the most thankful of slaves and the best of Allah's worshippers. This was his dua that he used to make. You understand? So it's something that, this is the dua the Prophet made. It's definitely a dua that we should try and make. Something, at least something close to it or similar to it. You understand? If you want a a copy of the slide or this picture of this, you can message me and I'll send it to you inshallah and you can learn the dua. Uh, and so forth but those are some of the ways that we attain the love of allah and there are many other ways uh, above that as well and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best stop you take one more name quick one quick name inshallah right the next name of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-bar al-bar Allah is Al-Bar طيب, Al-Bar means the beneficent or the most courteous and generous Al-Bar And this name is found once in the Quran Surah At-Tur Surah At-Tur Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Inna kunna min Indeed we used to supplicate him before Inna hu huwa he, Indeed it is he who is the beneficent Al-Rahim the merciful Al-Bar what does al-bar mean? Ibn Abbas the Sahabi he said the meaning of al-bar is the most courteous. The meaning of al-bar is the most courteous. The one who blesses creation, showing kindness to all at every moment. This is al like al-Karim, like al-Rahim, one who shows mercy, he shows courtesy, he shows uh, generosity, he blesses, right? The One who benefits this is al-bar right and this is similar to what we've spoken about in the previous names like al-kareem we've spoken about al rahman al rahim we've spoken about understand and this is again in a general and a specific way what do we mean by this in a general way meaning everybody experiences the courtesy of allah the generosity of allah muslim kafir righteous not righteous everybody experiences these benefits, the fact Allah created them, provides for them, etc. And in a specific way, there are people who experience it in a specific way, a special way. That is when Allah guides them to the right religion, the religion of Islam. And He gives them success to worship Him alone. And He gives them sa'adah, happiness in this. Happiness in this world Delights that was experienced in this world, in the akhirah and in the Barzakh. That's why Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Innal naim." Indeed the Abrah, the righteous ones, they are in a state of delight. A state of ecstasy, luxury, delight, na'eem. And this means in this world they are in a state of delight. Because they are happy, they are pleased to be worshipping Allah. They are pleased to abstain from Haram, because they are fulfilling, they are worshipping Al-Wadood. The Creator, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, ar razik you can put any name of Allah in there, and it makes sense. And You see the different benefits that it brings. And they are also in delight in the Barzakh. In that, you know, after we die, we go to the Barzakh, and our ruh will stay there until Qiyamah comes. But when you are in that state, they are in a state of delight, of happiness, of joy, they, are, they cannot wait for Qiyamah. In fact the hadith says, they will say, Ya Rabbi, aqimi saah Oh my Lord, bring the hour close, bring it close, bring Qiyamah, we, we can't wait for Qiyamah. Because when the hour comes, they know that the delight of the Akhirah is even better than the delight of the Barzakh. What they are experiencing now in the in graves as opposed to the fujjar, the sinners, the exact opposite the hadith says they will say Ya Allah don't ever bring the hour because the punishment that they are living in and the torment they know what's going to come was only going to be worse, Allah musta'an, so these are the ones who experience a special bar, a special type of bar and then the sheikh he mentions examples of Allah's bar, his courtesy, his generosity The one example he mentions is, how the Prophet said, whoever intends to do a good deed, but he doesn't do it, he gets one reward. I intend to make Qiyam tonight. Sincerely, what happens? I fall asleep, when I wake up, alarm for Fajr. I never made it. You get a reward for that intention. And he who intended to do good, and he does it, he gets 10 to 700 good deeds that's recorded for him at least 10 it could be up to 700 multiplied Allahu yudhaifu Allah multiplies whomsoever he wants this is al-bar. and he who intends to do evil and he doesn't do that evil then nothing nothing will be registered so that niya for evil and you don't fulfill the evil is not registered as a bad deed like your niya for good was but if he commits a bad deed be recorded, meaning times by 1, not by 10 or up to 700 this is al-bar, you understand this is from the bar of Allah that courtesy of Allah type of kindness, mercy courtesy, generosity this is an example of that, and the examples are endless, examples from Allah's accepting of our tawbah that's bar, right Um, the other examples the Sheikh mentions is um, the way he overlooks our sins and so forth, right? At the end of the chapter, the Sheikh says, what's important to take note of is that Al-Bar yuhibbu Ahlul Bir He loves the people of Al-Bir What does Bir mean? Anybody know? Huh? A well? That's Bir Bir is a well Bir Huh? Patience. Sonia? Patience. Patience? No. Bir. I gave the hint earlier and said, Inna al the people of Bir. Abarara, the people of Bir. Lafinaim in a state of delight. So bir, we translate as righteousness. That's good deeds in general. Yeah. Right? And that's why Allah says, Laysal birrah. And to al wal Righteousness bir, is not to turn your faces toward the east or the west. But true righteousness is. Starts with belief in Allah. And the last day. And he believes in the angels and the book and the prophets. And he spends of his wealth, even though he loves that wealth. He's. Attached to what he has, he gives it for the sake of Allah. And he gives it to whom? Al-Qurba, those who are his relatives. Wal-Yatama, the orphans. wal Masakin, the people who are needy. wa Is Sabil, the wayfarers or the travellers, he spends on them. And, those who ask for the wealth, or those who ask for help, he gives. And he does it for freeing slaves, to free slaves. وفي الرقاب وأقام الصلاة يستablish الزكاة pays زكاة والموفون بعهدهم إذا عاهدوا he fulfills his promise when he makes a promise and he, he, he is of those who are patient in poverty and hardship during battle patient in poverty right we spoken about this we touched on this earlier as well that that is you know that that is the one who knows Allah taala and his and so forth those are the ones who have been true. The truthful ones. And it is those who are righteous. They are the people of taqwa. That's bir. That ayah describes what bir is. Allah loves those people. The people of bir. He is al-bar. And he loves the people of bir. You understand? There's a connection in Arabic between those two words. Another example of bir is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Lan tanalul birra. حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ You will never attain good, that bir, until you spend it from that which you love. Until you can part from your dunia matters, that which is you are attached to, that which you love, you spend it in the, in the path of Allah. You spend it for the sake of Allah. And this is how you attain bir. Whatever you spend, Allah says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ Indeed Allah is knowing of it. Allah is reassuring you, yeah, to say, whatever you spend or you are going to spend that you are spending, you should know Allah is well aware of what you spend. Meaning, He's there. He's going to preserve your action, and He's going to keep that reward for that action, either in this world or in the akhirah, because He knows it's not lost unto Him the good that you have, that you have done. So we ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to grant us understanding, to guide us, and to make us of the people of bir. And the people who attain the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amin ya Rabbil Alamin. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanahu wa bihamdik. Wa la ilaha illa anta astaghfirunka. Wa atubu ilayk.